Whoever you are, we welcome you. Wherever you come from, we welcome you. Whomever you love, we welcome you. My name is Kathy Kearns, and it is a privilege for me to serve as worship associate for today's service. The service today is led by our minister, the Reverend Stephen Protzman. As Unitarian Universalists, we light a flame within a chalice to unite us in our worship as a symbol of sanctuary and safety and remind us for our, of our ongoing search for the light of truth. Our chalice lighters this morning are Lori, Jade, and Ava. Would you join me now in the words for lighting the chalice, which are in your order of service? We light this chalice, not because we have the truth, but because we each come praying and seeking many truths. Thank you. This chalice, that our religion may be a beacon of light, hope, and justice, we light this chalice to kindle our hearts and our minds. Ours is a simple faith, life is a short
Imagine that you move to a new town where every day on your way to work, you drive by a Unitarian Universalist church. You can't help but notice the ever-changing but interesting sermon titles on the church marquee. Soul-searching. More alike than different. Empowered gratitude. Life calls us on. Earth Day, building community in times of turmoil. An injury to one is an injury to all. Blessings for the journey. Intrigued, you decide to visit one Sunday. As you enter the church, you see a banner that says, nurture your spirit, help heal the world. And another that says, Imagine a religion that embraces many different beliefs, including yours. You enter the sanctuary and immediately notice there are no images of Jesus. The service begins with a hymn you've never heard, but you feel more at home at the second hymn, one you know well, Joy to the World. You are excited and relieved to sing this hymn you know so well. Until the first line when you sing, Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. And are embarrassed to realize that everyone else is singing. Joy to the world, the word is come. Let earth with praises ring. Luckily, no one seems to mind that you are singing the traditional words. Today's readings are from a Buddhist monk and a poem by Mary Oliver, and the sermon seems to touch on the theme that love can heal the world. A friendly person suggests you come to coffee hour where they're having a church fair with representatives from all the church groups. On your way, you pass a poster on the wall that says, is God keeping you from going to church? And you realize you did not hear the word God at all during the service. You notice several groups at the church fair, the pagans, the meditation group, the humanists, the social justice committee, and of course, the finance, membership, and religious education programs. When you arrive home, your spouse says, how was it? And by the way, what do Unitarian Universalists believe in? You want to say, coffee, community, and love, But somehow that sounds incomplete. If you're a member of this church, how would you explain to someone else what Unitarian Universalists believe? What do you identify as our core beliefs beyond the seven principles listed in the hymnal that all UU churches covenant to affirm and promote? Would you feel comfortable answering such a question? Come, let us explore together what it means to be a Unitarian Universalist. Babies don't believe anything. Babies aren't born Buddhists or Baptists or believers of any sort. But soon after we arrive in the world, we start to gather ideas. We pick up beliefs and ideas about people and animals and families, And we collect ideas about the stars and comets and how all of this got started. 
We accumulate beliefs about good and bad and right and wrong and what's healthy and unhealthy and what's important in our life. All of these beliefs, which we get from our parents and our friends and TV and school, they go into our belief bag. Now, most religions define themselves by what they believe or by what's inside the bag. Christians, for instance, believe in Jesus. Muslims, they believe in Allah and the prophet Muhammad. Buddhists believe in the Four Noble Truths. But Unitarian Universalists don't have just one set of beliefs. What makes us different is the way that we Unitarian Universalists carry our beliefs. Because there are different ways of holding your belief bag. For example, some people hold their bags like this. They clutch it close and make sure the top is tightly sealed because they don't want their beliefs exposed to any new ideas and that that it could threaten what's inside. And they've got their world all wrapped up in a nice, tidy package. So thank you very much. Their bag is closed up, and these people are also a little closed-minded. Hey, Colleen, what a cool bag. Can I see what's in it? Bag? What bag? I don't want to talk about my bag. On the other hand, some people are just the opposite, and they don't pay much attention to what goes into their bag. One idea is just as good as the other, and if other folks believe it or they read it on the internet, then it must be true, because they carry their bag in such a sloppy manner. We call them sloppy slinkers. Hey, check that bag out. So, um, what's inside? Oh, you know, just all the things that I know. I put an article in there today about how monkeys can fly, but they don't want us to know because they're going to take over the world. So, when I get home, I'm going to post it on Facebook. I'll tag you. Okay, great. Are we talking what, Planet of the Apes here? Um, you know, you can just read for yourself when I put it on social media. Okay. And then there are people who carry their bags like this. And they use it to hit other people. What's inside their bag may sound very, very nice. I believe in peace and love and kindness. But then they use their bag as a weapon. Hey, Colleen, tell me more about your bag. Ah, you don't believe in peace and love and kindness, do you, Stephen? What a terrible, terrible person you are. Ow, 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 ow. I am so out of here. (laughs) Shame on you. But none of those ways is the Unitarian Universalist way. Instead, we carry our bags like this. We carry them with the top open so that new ideas and experiences can get inside the bag. We carry them in front of us so that we can see and examine what goes in to be sure that it makes sense to us and it fits with the other things that we know. And also so that we can see what our neighbors think and see what they have to say and share thoughts with others. Above all, we never ever use our beliefs to bully or intimidate people. And that's what it means to be a Unitarian Universalist. The next time somebody asks you, what do people in your church believe? You can say to them, it's less important what you believe in our church than how you hold your beliefs. And it's how you acquire them and how you share them and above all, what you do with them that counts. And for short, you could just say, mine is the church of the open mind, mine is the church of the helping hands, and mine is the church of the loving heart. 
We begin our time of meditation and reflection with this poem by Ethel Crow. Here in this room, we affirm life, our hopes, our faith, our belief in being, being alive, being ourselves, who we are, what we are, believing in our humanity, our respect for life and for each other. Here in this space, we face ourselves as individuals and as a group, seeking and finding new affirmations of life, new caring and concern for each other. Here within these walls, life calls. Deep within, we hear the voice of the all. Be still and listen. Each week, we make time in our service to listen, to listen to the still, small voice within, the God of our own understanding, which is our most trusted source of personal wisdom, to listen to the joys and sorrows of living that each of us experience. Our candle of memory this morning is for Olive Hobbs, who died peacefully on Thursday at the age of 96. Olive was a member of this congregation for 72 years and beloved among us as a leader and apparently a wonderful pie maker. There will be a graveside service for Olive tomorrow, Monday, in the Standing Rock Cemetery at 11 a.m., which you're all welcome to attend. And then Olive's memorial service will be here on Saturday, October 6th at 1 p.m., followed by a reception on the Insert in Your Order service. You'll find reminders about these upcoming services. Let's take a moment of silence to honor Olive's memory and give thanks for her life. Christy Anderson shares the sad news that former church member Evelyn Sperry is grieving the recent death of her partner, John Deacon. Uh, Evelyn will be back in this area for John's memorial service and burial. Uh, this Thursday at the Dunn and Quigley Funeral Home in Stowe, you, there will be a visitation at 11 a.m., and the service, the memorial service, will start at 1 p.m. Tie-dye attire is welcomed for this event. And then the service will be followed by an informal gathering at the home of Jennifer May and Lois Weir, which is in Akron. Elizabeth Swango shares that her father was diagnosed with cancer this week. Our thoughts and prayers are with Elizabeth and her family. Susan Pullwilkie uh, asks for prayers for her father, Ted, who will be having surgery on Tuesday. Kay Ekman asks that we keep a coworker who is having a difficult time in our thoughts. Diana Watt shares that her aunt Mavis Pop died yesterday. We honor that life and the begonias here on the uh, railing are in memory of Mavis. Sabim McCutcheon says that one of our international students' daughters is in labor this morning, soon to give birth to grandchild number 10. We rejoice at this news. Evie in Rome reports with joy that we went to our first Indians game and they won, and it was a lot of fun. 
And then the Rome family also asks that they keep Andrew in our thoughts. Uh, He's backpacking in northern Michigan. We'll welcome him home on Monday. And uh, Chloe asks that we hold her brother in our thoughts as he leaves for the military on Tuesday. There are joys and sorrows we are holding in our hearts as well this morning, along with what we've heard. Let's enter some silence to honor what has been shared and to hold each other in our hearts. These words were adapted from some words written by Kendall Gibbons. Spirit that is love and life itself. Out of a community of diverse heritage and belief, we come together to share our hope and to create good in the world. We give thanks for the freedom to be together, to share life's journey with each other, and to worship the God of our own understanding, shrouded in a mystery beyond our knowing, and yet held intimately in our hearts. The prophets of all traditions and times have taught that we are called to mercy, generosity, and mutual care, and that to be great is to serve. We give thanks for the life of Olive Hobbs, who served and cared for this community for many years and taught us how to be merciful and generous. May our lives be a testimony to her life and the many others who have cared for and sustained this congregation through the years. May we carry on their legacy faithfully. We know that there can be no enduring happiness for humanity as long as suffering and want go unrelieved. Until all are sheltered, none of us is truly at home. May we each renew our commitment to care for one another and every human being so that the earth will truly be a home for all people where there is no suffering or want. May the power of our various faiths sustain us in this work, that we may be the hands of holy creativity and justice and together build a better world. So it is we pray, and so together may we say amen. Amen. How many times have I heard people remark, you can believe anything and be a Unitarian Universalist? Or someone might say, with no trace of irony, I go to the Unitarian Universalist Church because I don't believe in organized religion. Incredulous, I say to myself, gee, I try to be organized, and we do have a choir, and choir robes, and ministers, and a building. Our faith, of course, does have requirements. To become a Unitarian Universalist, you make no doctrinal promises, but you are required to do much more. You are required to choose your own beliefs. You promise, that is, to use your reason and your experience and the dictates of your conscience to decide upon your own theology, and then you are asked to actually live by that theology. You are asked to take your chosen faith very seriously. But because we are a free faith, could our movement be said to have a theology? After all, our contemporary churches are populated with Christians, atheists, humanists of various stripes, Jews, Buddhists, and even Wiccans. Whoever will may come. 
Nevertheless, when we look at our history and the practice of our faith, certain theological themes dominate, and so I will argue that yes, we do in fact have a theology of sorts, a theology that has been relatively clear and consistent through time. We believe that human beings should be free to choose their beliefs according to the dictates of their own conscience. We believe in original goodness with the understanding that sin is sometimes chosen, often because of pain or ignorance. We believe that God is one. We believe that revelation is ever unfolding. We believe that the kingdom of God is to be created here on this earth. We believe that Jesus was a prophet of God and that other prophets from God have risen in other faith traditions. We believe that love is more important than doctrine. We believe that God's mercy will reconcile all unto itself in the end. Now this piece about God's mercy, I confess I don't know how that could be true. How could God's love be that encompassing, that forgiving? I can't even forgive my neighbor who consistently gets out his leaf blower while I'm trying to write a sermon. (laughs) How could everyone be saved? Surely some of us should go to hell. Surely the guy with the leaf blower. No, not one. Not one in God's infinite mercy. And we are asked to stretch ourselves large enough to take that in. I'm not there yet, but that's the great thing about my faith. It's evolving, and so am I. We are not in pursuit of formalities or fake religious laws. For through this stairway of existence, we have come to God's door. We are people who need to love because love is the soul's life. Love is simply creation's greatest joy. Through the stairway of existence, oh, through the stairway of existence, Hafiz, have you now come? Have we all now come to the beloved's door? I was at a minister's gathering at the hospital in Ravenna a few weeks ago, and as I waited for the seminar on the hospital's pastoral care program to start, I struck up conversation with a couple sitting next to me. He is a Methodist minister, and his wife is a healthcare professional. When we introduced ourselves, I told them I was the newly settled minister of the Unitarian Universalist Church of Kent. He didn't respond, but she immediately replied, oh yes, you're the people who can worship anything you want to. In case you're wondering what goes through a minister's mind at a time like this, it's often snarky. Here's what I was thinking. Actually, most people don't know this, but once you're part of the inner circle of UUs, we gather in secret to worship the flying spaghetti monster. We seek truth meaning and the perfect red sauce. You'll either be surprised or pleased to know that I kept those thoughts to myself. 
And instead, I replied, while it's true that we don't have a creed or doctrine or dogma, and each of us has different beliefs and ways of making meaning of life, we are a people held together by covenant, by a shared commitment to social justice, and by our vision of the beloved community. We believe in the inherent worth and dignity of every person and that all of life is interconnected. People who do know about Unitarian Universalism have a variety of misconceptions about who we are. The religious right refers to us as a cult. Right. A cult that challenges you to think for yourself and not just blindly accept what you're told, but to engage in lifelong search for truth and meaning. No projecting happening there at all. <laughs> I've also heard us described as being vegans who drink free trade coffee, wear Birkenstocks, listen to public radio, are bleeding heart left-wing liberals with multiple master's degrees, drive Prii, which is the plural of Prius, <laughs> and worship the goddess. Well, they've obviously confused UUs with California. <laughs> if they've even heard of us, and sadly, we remain American religion's best kept secret, most people think of Unitarian Universalists as a group of disorganized people who have no convictions, no purpose, no backbone, and our churches as places where anything goes. Nothing could be further from the truth. There's a UU blogger named David Nywert, and he writes, We are an odd group, we Unitarian Universalists. Conventional wisdom says that we're soft in all the places our society values toughness. Our refusal to adhere to any dogma must mean that we're soft in our convictions. Our reflexive open-mindedness is often derided as evidence that we're soft in the head. Our persistent and general, gentle insistence on liberal values is evidence of hearts too soft to set boundaries. And all of this together leads to a public image of a mushy gathering of feckless individuals that somehow lack cohesion, focus, or purpose. You can only believe this, though, if you don't know the history of the modern reality of Unitarian Universalists. So David goes on to say, the Unitarian bred belief in the nobility of the human spirit was the spiritual foundation on which a plurality of America's founders had sure footing as their convictions crystallized into revolution against tyranny. It fueled the passionate oratory of Daniel Webster, the wisdom of Ben Franklin, and the incisively clear writings of Thomas Paine. It sent Paul Revere out into the cold of an April evening and set Thomas Jefferson to the task of writing a declaration. It lit the spark of progressive change that drove Susan B. Anthony, Lucy Stone, and Julia Ward Howe to organize for women's rights. It sent Jane Addams, Dorothea Dix, Albert Schweitzer, and Clara Barton out to bring health and hope to the poor. It gave voice to poets from Whitman to Plath to E.E. E. Cummings, novelists from Dickens to Melville to Vonnegut, and musicians from Bartok to Grieg to Seeger. It fueled the boundless imaginations of Buckminster Fuller and Rod Serling and Frank Lloyd Wright. It kept Christopher Reeve alive and breathing and working for his causes. And David concludes by saying, I still hear it crackling hot and fresh every time UU bred Keith Olbermann goes on one of his trademark rants. 
In Europe, Unitarianism dates back to the Reformation and is a long and rich story of heroic people who struggled and even died for the ideas of freedom, tolerance, and the use of reason in religion. We trace our theological roots back to the early Christian church for our core ideas, including, as Marilyn Sewell mentions in the first reading, the idea that God is one, God shows universal mercy, and Jesus' core message that love is far more important than doctrine. But it's even simpler than any of that. The medieval Sufi poet Hafiz can sum up our faith in one word. In the second reading you heard, we are not in pursuit of formalities or fake religious laws. We are people who need to love because love is the soul's life. Love is simply creation's greatest joy. Can it be that as Unitarian Universalists, we are simply a people who need to love? A love motivated by knowing that all of life is one and that our truest calling, regardless of where or how we find meaning in life, is to love the world toward peace and justice. So imagine when you tell someone you're a Unitarian Universalist and they say, a uni what? You can respond, we are a people who need to love because love gives us life and joy. At a great international interfaith gathering at a major convention hotel, five delegates found themselves waiting and waiting for the elevator following one of the sessions. To break the monotony and silence, one of the delegates suggested they play a little game. Let's see if we can explain our faith and the time it takes the elevator to go from here to the first floor. Although they would have to travel up and down several times, the delegates agreed. On the trip down from the 10th to the first floor, the Roman Catholic delegate volunteered to go first. He recited the Apostles' Creed, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, etc., and finished just as the doors opened on the lobby. Next, it was the Hindu delegate's turn. Pressing the button for the lobby, she began, we Hindus believe in the great wheel of life. All is a cycle, and what has been will be again. It is for us to understand our place in this turning, to do what falls to us to do, and to celebrate our place in the scheme of existence. Now it fell to the Zen Buddhist delegate to push the button for the 10th floor. All waited eagerly for him to begin, but there was only silence as the car traveled 10 floors. <laughs> When the doors opened, they asked the Zen Buddhist, why did you not say anything to us about your belief? He replied, in saying nothing, I said all that there is to say. The Interfaith Conference delegates then looked to the Unitarian delegate, the last to take a turn. The elevator doors closed and she reached out to push the button. All were surprised when she pushed two. Why did you not push the button for the lobby, they asked. Because, the Unitarian delegate replied, there's a great little coffee shop on the second floor where we can kick back and really discuss this. <laughs> so this morning you've had a primer on Unitarian Universalism. 
Do you think you could explain it to someone in a meaningful way and say the span of an average elevator ride anywhere from 30 seconds to two minutes? Or would it take a trip to the top of the Sears Tower plus coffee on the observation deck to explain our liberal religion? There's a story from my colleague Jane Dwinnell about her elevator speech. She says, I was at General Assembly in Salt Lake City a few years ago and had just come out of my hotel that morning. There was a crowd of UUs, all with our name tags and t-shirts and political buttons, gathered at the curb waiting for the light to change. There was a businessman in a suit carrying a briefcase in the middle of this unusual and lively group. He turned to a woman near him and said, are you with a meeting here? What kind of group are you? To which she replied, we're part of a liberal religion having our annual meeting. You wouldn't be interested. Yeah, ouch. Jane goes on, the light changed and people began to cross the street. I walked up to the man, she says. Hi, we're Unitarian Universalists having our general assembly. Ours is a liberal non-credal faith where people come together in community to discover their own spiritual truths and work together to make the world a better place. Although our religion arose during the Protestant Reformation and used to be primarily Christian, now you use look to all the world's religions for inspiration and keys to ethical living. He replied, sounds great. I'm from Albany, New York, and I'm here on business. That sounds like something I've been looking for. Do you think there's a UU church there? Sure, I said, just look them up in the phone book. You'll be glad you did. So, have you ever had the opportunity to do that, to talk about your faith that way? Yeah? And have you been able to do so? Huh? It's a challenge. It's a challenge, yeah. <laughs> yeah, in two minutes or less. <laughs> 45 <laughs> seconds or less, actually. <laughs> so in the first decade of the century, the Reverend Bill Sinkford, as president of our association, challenged us to work on our elevator speeches. To be able to describe what Unitarian Universalism is and our unique understanding of a church where humanists and theists, atheists and agnostics, mystics and pagans, all of the aboves and none of the aboves come together to make meaning of life and discover how to make, live lives of meaning. So if you don't have an elevator speech already, it's time, past time, that you created one. As with doing a theology, the best places to start is with what others have said. So I'm going to share some elevator speeches with you and I invite you to listen to the words and phrases that resonate with you. Our just past UUA president, Reverend Peter Morales said, I am a UU because I am convinced I need other people who love what I love. I am a UU because I want to join hands with others to create a community where we grow spiritually, where we support one another, and where we work together to create a world in which everyone matters, everyone is free, Everyone is respected and everyone lives in peace. I am a UU because I have seen what love, understanding, and commitment can do. And finally, I'm a UU because I am convinced that if we let the love in our hearts guide our ways, the possibilities before us are breathtaking. Chris Schreiner, our denomination is unique because every Unitarian Universalist has the right to develop a personal philosophy of life, 
without being told what to believe. We can learn from all philosophies and religions and also from science and the arts. We explore important life issues in a caring community, united by shared values rather than by shared theological ideas. And no matter what we do believe about theology or philosophy, we try to live a good life and leave the world better than when we found it. Victoria Mitchell says, Unitarian Universalism is composed of diverse communities operating without a common belief about God, the universe, and death. Instead of creed, we share a spirit and vision of radical inclusivity, individual agency, and social justice. It is a safe space to stand out, stand up, and change your mind, particularly during life's transitions. We embrace personal discovery and growth through learning, engagement, and service. Our only doctrine is love. And from Bill Sinkford, the Unitarian side of our family tree tells us there is only one God, one spirit of life, one power of love. The Universalist side tells us that God is a loving God, condemning no one, and valuing the spark of divinity that is in every human being. So Unitarian Universalism stands for one God where no one is left behind. Kathleen McTeague, if you hunger for spirituality without dogma, if you long to put yourself to work healing a suffering world, if you want a faith community that helps you deepen into life's questions, even when there are no final answers, Unitarian Universalism may be your religious home. Your elevator speech is important. I've heard from some of you that you wish you'd known about Unitarian Universalism a long time ago. You wish you'd known that there are communities of people who celebrate life as a gift, who welcome and celebrate diversity, places where it matters much more how you live and love rather than what you believe, a spiritual home ready to help you discover that place where your passion and compassion meet the world's needs. There are many people right here in the Kent area looking for what we have to offer, and they may find it because you're ready to share the good news of Unitarian Universalism. Imagine what we could do together if 100, 200, or even more kindred spirits found us and joined us in our work of inspiring love, seeking justice, and growing in community. As Peter Morales said, the possibilities are breathtaking. Ding, going up. <laughs> so I ask, are you ready to share the good news of our liberal faith? Mm-hmm. Let's enter a few moments of reflection. I will see that for request, those examples of elevator speeches are put on the website, so you have some uh, references. Properly footnoted, of course. Here in this community every Sunday, every month, one Sunday is dedicated to supporting agencies, ministries, and organizations in this community and beyond that serve those in need. This month, our special collection will benefit the minister's discretionary fund. This fund provides financial help for members and friends of the congregation and people in the community 
when a need or emergency arises. Very recently, this fund has provided grocery cards for people needing food, assistance with utility bills, and help with emergency medical expenses. time of worship to a close in preparation for going out to share our good news. Would you join me in the words for extinguishing the chalice? You'll find those in your order of service. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, the fire of commitment. May we carry these in our hearts and in our minds until we are together again. And now blessed for the journey trusting in the love that makes us one and renewed in our commitment to share the good news of Unitarian Universalism with a world that desperately needs our message of love and hope. Let us go forth in peace and in joy to inspire love, seek justice, and grow in community. May it be so. Blessed be and amen.